Welcome to episode five. Thanks for sticking around uh, and and being with us on this horrific journey so far. <laughs> um, I am one of your hosts, Sarah, and this is Jordy. Yeah, <laughs> the Australians. What was it? The Australian sex wizard. <laughs> This is Geordie, the Australian sex wizard. We're still waiting um, for someone to call in with Sarah's name. Yeah, please, can you send recommendations via Instagram for my name? Yeah. I need to be um, nicknamed as, you know, close. A, a similar vibe. A similar similar vibe. Yeah, 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 I need to be coined, you know. It needs to happen. Um, <laughs> um, how are you doing, Geordie? I am doing good. I am here and ready to go with not one, not two, but three drinks. I feel like I always see these memes that are like, bisexuals always drink three drinks and I don't get it. Is that because we like all the options? Well, that's why I I was like, that just seems a bit too obvious. I know. I mean... To be honest, people talk a lot of smack about us, but the reality yeah. is, is that the reason I have three drinks right now is because it's a Sunday night. That means I've got to work tomorrow, but I'm working from home tomorrow and we've got a podcast. So I'm thinking I want the wine. I've got the wine, but I shouldn't have too much wine. So I've got the water. And <laughs> if I am choosing then to come down after the wine, I've got a tea and that will get cool around the right time that I finish the wine. So actually I'm going to say this is like a perfect ecosystem of drinks. There <laughs> you make- go, Jordan. <laughs> Jodie's getting drunk, not drunk, and I'm just getting absolutely buzzed off caffeine. Buzzed off caffeine and, like, excited for this film because, to be honest, Cherry Falls, man, what can I say? (laughs) It's one of the most fucking ridiculous movies I've ever seen, and that's put me in a good (laughs) good mood. (laughs) How are you, Sarah? I'm good. I'm just, you know, I'm excited to be here. I'm surviving... uh, it's it's beautiful winter wonderland in Glasgow at the moment. Me and Geordie in like opposite extremes. Geordie's sort of like dying Heinous, in the heat. furnace, heat. Disgusting. <laughs> this week has been fucked. Some of the days have been like 35 degrees and I hate the heat. I fucking hate this goddamn country and it's fucking heat. Honestly, the sun down here is a cancer-causing hellscape and I, I don't want to look it in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> The true horror film is the fact that Geordie lives in Australia, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, it's just been mildly hot, whatever. (laughs) So yeah, today we are going to be, this is episode five, everybody. Oh, it's so exciting. Um, Yeah, and you're going to be coming on a wild ride with us today talking about Cherry Fall. This film was a recommendation from a friend, and by God, is it a sexist? I actually think that your friend heard about the podcast, decided to go back in time to make a film (laughs) that we could do that's perfect. Honestly, I'm like, I I wouldn't put it past them. Our fans are doting. (laughs) I'm gonna, this is a shout out to Pedro, Man of the Minch, who knew before we did that this was the perfect film 
<laughs> I'd honestly never heard of Cherry Falls until Pedro came into my life. No, me either. It had never even passed me. I think it's like one of those films. It's like, if you know, you know. <laughs> Can I say, though, the thing that really weirded me out about this film, it feels like Scream should have been made after this film because it feels like Scream is a parody of Cherry Falls in every way. Mm. Like, for example, Sarah, <clears throat> we will get into this because... The dad-daughter vibe in Cherry Falls is something wrong with a capital G at the end. And when, you know, when we talked about in Scream, the creepy dad. Oh, it's, it's, it surpasses it on levels you can't even imagine. Do you I know, know what I mean? Like, is Scream not the parody of this film? And yet this film came out after Scream. It makes no sense. <laughs> it's wrong. G -g 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 -g. G -g -g with a capital G. Wrong with a capital G. <laughs> so sarah do you want to tell our listeners in case you're a first time listener do you want to tell them about how we do things here at the sexist podcast 100 so this podcast will deconstruct the film so we're going to be pulling apart all of the the sex the consent and the relationships from cherry falls and basically pulling them to smithereens um you could say <laughs> but then we're going to reconstruct it so we're going to put it all back um and think you know if we had like really amazing sex and really incredible consent in this film what would it look like which is like strangely, that's what we're going to attempt <laughs> it's strangely funny right because when you're talking about horror which is all about murder and violence you think if you make it consensual how would it be a horror and that's a good question. And it probably wouldn't be a horror anymore. But that's not the point. The point is, is that Sarah and I love horror and they also really love like really good sex and consent education. And we just thought, fuck it, let's combine them and see who's into it. And hey, you know, if we become famous, we will create that horror film that is, you know, the oh, beautiful, yeah. oh yeah, the beautiful utopian dream. So you better make us famous because Oh my god, I love know. that. <laughs> yes, if you want to, if you love this vibe and you want to bankroll this, we will make a very consensual, really sexy, sex-fueled horror film that somehow isn't about like violence against women or isn't about like teenage slut shaming. Like I don't know how we're gonna do it, but somehow we will. <laughs> Believe in us. <laughs> Fund us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, before we get in to get all the nitty gritty it's probably important that we tell you that in our episodes we spoil the whole thing so this is like one big spoiler alert if you haven't seen cherry falls our deconstruction will make you feel like you have so if you would like to not have that surprise ruined go and watch it now and then come back and have a little listen but if you have, have seen you it and you're ready for the ride, you're ready for it. You're back. You're ready. We are doing Cherry Falls, which came out in the year 2000, the dawn of the millennium. Um, and as Sarah said, it's uh, directed by Jeffrey Wright, starring our beloved 90s icon, Brittany Murphy, um, as well as Jay. I don't know how to say this. Jay Mohor? More. More? Mm. more anyway and Gabriel yeah. man I would say this is like a 90s wet dream this film like I know it came out in the dawn of the millennia but like Brittany Murphy is our 90s queen do you know what I mean yeah it's got it's got heavy 90s vibes yeah 
And the content warnings for the film is obviously it's a classic horror film, so you're gonna have you're gonna have murder, but there is sex pressuring in it. There's a lot of slut shaming, like a lot, a lot of slut shaming. There's like weird transphobic undercurrent. Um, and also there's like a discussion of rape and like kind of it's not like a I don't know how to explain it. It's not like gratuitous sexual violence, but in a way it's a rape revenge kind of story. So in talking about it, we will touch on that. But also if you're watching the film, be aware that there'll be some discussion around like around that. I'm not somebody who will ever really watch a horror movie that has gratuitous sexual violence. So I would say this is like a lot safer than many, but they're the trigger warnings for if you're going into it. And obviously we will kind of be touching on some of those in our chat today. Even if you're kind of still on the fence, like not sure whether you're going to watch it, just listen to the overview of this film and I think it's going to make your mind up for you. (laughs) Yes, it's true. (laughs) It's true. Okay, so I'm going to do an overview and I'm going to do it quick and succinct. So (laughs) Cherry Falls, picture this, all right? It's a little town called Cherry Falls. Interestingly, called Cherry Falls is foreshadowing to the fact that this movie is all about virginity, cherries, popping cherries, exactly. Um, (laughs) So in this small town, there is a couple of teenagers that start to get murdered, similar to Scream. And then everybody at school is talking about it. The cops figure out that the killer is only killing virgins. So our protagonist, Brittany Murphy, who is whose character name is Jody, is the daughter of the sheriff. Um, and the sheriff is aware that the killer is killing virgins and has this like weird interaction where he kind of re- asks his daughter to have sex not with him, but like either way, it's a bad vibe. Never in my life do I want to have a conversation like that with my dad. <laughs> it's bad with a capital G. Bad. And then basically, um, yeah, the killer starts killing people off. And Jody, she has a boyfriend whose name is Kenny and he breaks up with her for a while because she won't put out. And then they kind of get back together because as soon as Kenny hears that the killer's killing virgins, he's like, oh, maybe I'll get lucky. And basically all the kids go into harm minimization and they're like, we all need to fuck. We need to bone down. So they they plan a hot sex teen party. And as always, all the adults are like, oh my God, the worst thing that could happen is teenagers have sex. And so they try to shut it down, but the teens are ready to bone. They have a, a sex party. It's There's some really interesting nuanced stuff that goes on at the sex party. <laughs> and then it turns out that Brittany Murphy's mentor, Mr. Marsden, her favorite Mm. teacher is actually the son of a rape victim and is killing people under the name of Lorelai Sherman. And, you know, maybe Laura Lee Sherman. Laura Laura Lee Sherman. And it's a big reveal. This is um, a movie that feels like it's going to be a classic teen movie and then somehow turns out to be like an iconic feminist rape revenge film. 100%. That is like it in a nutshell. Also, it is, I can't believe how kind of uh, perfect it is for this this podcast (laughs) because the whole film is about 
people shagging to make sure that they don't get killed by a murderer. <laughs> Which, to be honest, that would be when we did the Scream episode and they were like, ways to not die in a film. They're like, never have sex. I was like, do you know what? I'd already be out. I'd already tap out. <laughs> Consider me dead. Do you know that? <laughs> this film, when it came out in the millennium, was quite controversial, um, mainly because the director scripted the whole thing. Um, so it kind of like, as Jordi was saying, like culminates with this like mass orgy, essentially, with like all of the teenagers at the school, <laughs> like tr- trying to take themselves off the kill list by like having sex for the first time. And when they originally filmed it, it was like a sex party under a giant white sheet, but everyone was naked. So they like filmed, they filmed the whole thing. And it, apparently it was like a really long scene. And uh, yeah, it was just like everyone having this massive orgy. And, and then basically it didn't pass any of the ratings um, and it got even, like an X on, rating. Even with the white sheet, it didn't pass any ratings. I felt like that would have just made it look stupid. Like to be fair though, do you remember the moral panics of like the 90s and early 2000s where like they were talking about rainbow parties where all of the girls would like put on a different colored lipstick and everyone would have to give a blowjob to different guys and they would they would win if their penis was covered in rainbow like there was always like skittle parties or whatever like there was always these things that parents would be freaking out that their young people were up to and actually when research was done into whether young people were doing it it was like some fringe two percent or something of young people who were like maybe experimenting like that but it just like, it's like mo- most of your kids are just at home playing video games yes exactly <laughs> or like doing that or like hashing really awkwardly where there's like way too much teeth and tongue like <laughs> but it, it, like that totally gives me that vibe right of a heaven forbid we even think about young people like trying to save themselves by having sex because <laughs> what could be worse than teenagers having sex? <laughs> totally. So, you know, it's a great film because not only is it shrouded in interesting talking points, but also it's shrouded in controversy. Oh, uh, we've got, we, let's we've give got the so listeners what they want. Are we ready? Okay, we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. The deconstruction. It's I've actually graduated to four drinks now. I've got four drinks on the go. Love it. Have you added in a vodka? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, because it's Australia and it's a work night and I've had all this wine, I've I've got a hydrolyte on the go. We've got electrolytes, we've got wine, we've got water, and we've got tea. Everyone, you have no idea how this is going to boost our chat. This is a bisexual's dream. Nightmare, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So, straight off the bat, some initial thoughts. When I was thinking about the fact that it's such a 90s vibe, something that also really stood out to me was there's a scene where the killer... Mr. Marsden, who goes by the name Laura Lee Sherman. There's a part really early on where the second girl kills Laura Lee Sherman, like knocks on the door and the girl's like, hello, 
who is it? She's like being super cautious and talking to the stranger like through the door and the door's still locked. And she's like looking all worried and asking a few questions before ultimately deciding to open the door and is subsequently killed, of course. But it just got me thinking like if somebody knocks on my door, I immediately just like open to it, open it and start talking to them. I I would be dead. <laughs> and it got me it got me really thinking of like if you were going to die in a horror film, how do you think you would die? And I think it's a really important question. I'm not sure that that is mine because I also think I do so many dumb things that would get me killed in a horror movie. Like so many. Like I'm the type of person when I hear a weird noise, I'm like, "Oh my god, what's that?" And so, <laughs> oh my god, let's investigate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, actually, oh. I know how I would die in a horror film. I've worked it out instantly in that moment. I can't drive a clutch or a stick shift, and I honestly, I've thought about this many times. If I'm running away from a killer and I get into a car and it's a manual, I'm fucked and I'm dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. The getaway, the getaway. You need a getaway driver, but in most horror films, you don't. You're on your own, so you'd be dead. How do you think you would die in a horror film? I, I definitely, I definitely would invite the killer into my home. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, I live with quite a lot of people, so I feel like just inviting strangers in off the street is a is a normal thing that happens. <laughs> Um, but actually, I think my ultimate demise would be I would want to impress a group of like going to somewhere really creepy. Like I can really imagine like, oh, yeah. like have you ever seen the, the the film Host? It's this seance that they do on Zoom, which obviously goes really terribly wrong. But I can just totally imagine really getting into that and being like, oh, we're going to go to a creepy house or we're going to do a creepy seance and yeah, then yeah, yeah. invite yeah. a ghost into my life that kills me. So maybe the way in which, like, maybe we can bind, combine the two where you're doing a seance because you're trying to impress the cool kids at school and then you invite a demon into your body because you thought that they were maybe friends of your, like, your partner or your housemate or whatever. 100%. And then I'm sort of, like, killed from the inside, but then I'm now the, the sort of, like, human devil who goes around to your house and gets invited in. Across yeah. the threshold, kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's the vibe. Okay, great. So <laughs> you're going to die because of your um, desire to please and also your welcoming nature. <laughs> and I'm going to die because I've never learned how to drive a manual transmission. Cool. <laughs> We're here for that. We are here for that. And to be fair, that is how the second woman died in Cherry Falls. So let it be a cautionary tale. I have structured my deconstruction the way that I believe the movie is structured. I believe that the movie, like every classic Shakespearean film, is in two acts. Act one being slut-shaming high, of course, and act Mm -hmm. two being better to have a teen fuck fest than a bunch of dead teens. (laughs) (laughs) The classic two acts. Very Shakespearean. <laughs> uh, so the overarching vibes of Cherry Falls. I mean, it's called Cherry Falls because of the pervasive like theme of virginity, right? Like popping someone's cherry. So obviously the film is about virginity and then if you're going to have virginity, you're always going to have slut shaming. Like there 
like the two ends of the spectrum. If you're going to talk about purity, you're going to shame people when they don't want to be pure. Um, and if you've got slut shaming, then you've got gender policing. And if you've got gender policing, you've got sex pressuring. So we've got big, heavy virginity, slut shaming, gender policing, sex pressuring vibes for act one. Yeah, I guess the, the movie starts with like the quintessential tropes of sex pressuring with the boys like trying to pressure their girlfriends into having sex or getting dumped. And one of the most creative forms of sex pressuring I feel like I've ever seen. Oh my God, are you going to talk about no, Zenobalax? You, you do it, you do it, you do it. So like the, the movie opens up where the, the teen boy is trying to pressure the girl into having sex, but in a way <laughs> that is so weirdly nerdy. Have you got it written down, Says the... I'm, I'm literally going yes, to read it out right now because... <laughs> It's so even if you don't want to watch this film, you can literally just watch the first five minutes. I would say it's sort of like shows incel culture before it even has existed. Before incel was a thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Okay, so here, here it is. In my planet, the women, the women are barren. I travel secretly across the depths of space, assuming human form, so I may come to know earthly women and repopulate my desolate planet. I wish for you to know my true name, Zanubulax. <laughs> our race has sex just the once. We put all our cosmic energy into that explosive act. And then, like your terrestrial may mayfly, what? We die of a sweet earthly content. I want to make love to you in the manner of my people. I want it to be my last act. And then, and then she's obviously just like, Ew. Ew, Davis. (laughs) But yeah, it's oh it's 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 a classic. It's so it's so good. And I feel like unsurprisingly, the girlfriend is not swayed by it and she's like, get the fuck out of my car, and then they all get murdered. So (laughs) it's quite funny that the whole premise of his like fantasy is based on like only ever having sex one time. Yeah, that is so, so fascinating. Like, like a fucking prey mantis or a what does he say? Yeah, a mayfly. It, he calls it like oh yeah, terrestrial mayfly. I guess maybe they only have sex once. Um, but yeah, it's just like so funny. Like I guess the idea of yeah being a virgin, having a sex for the first time, which as like most people experience, like some people can have a really great time, but I think for a lot of people it's like super awkward and weird, and you're trying to find mm. yourself. And there's so much shame that you have to get uh-huh. through to like enjoy it the idea that like he sort of like flipped that on his head and his like whole fantasy is just like One yeah time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair like it's so true I think that when you have sex for the first time like it's so performative because you have to get through all of that shame like you can't you don't feel comfortable to say what you really want particularly if what you want is some like weird star trekky kind of role play in which like <laughs> fuck yeah like i'm i'm here for that do you know what i mean like, there's no yucking to anyone's yum here but like you're not gonna feel comfortable to say that you want to do that on the first date so it is interesting but i like <laughs> I, and i think that's like the missed trick right is that people will often like 
have sex with someone for the first time and they're like, oh, it's a bit awkward. Is that bad or is that wrong? And I'm like, of course it's going to be awkward if you're still like getting comfy and learning what each other likes, right? Like sex is weird and we should be totally okay to just like sit with awkward and have like awkward convos so that we can actually get the most out of sex. And frankly, the more you get to know each other and what each other likes, the better sex will be, right? Anyway, the start of this movie is really heavy. Uh, The energy of traditional gender roles around virginity that like women are they are to be the gatekeepers of sex and it's a boy's role to just be like constantly finding creative ways to like trick women into having sex and it like there's nothing consensual about that play because it's always like like a gameplay it's not like two people that want to do the same thing it's like one person has to be like, oh, no, I'm not interested. I Like, I'm pure. I'm chaste. And the other one has to be like, how can I trick you into giving it up? Like, it's so, the yeah. gender roles are so inherently non-consensual because if they were, if it was a woman being like, I'm down to fuck, which does happen in this film, and I, that's when this movie takes a, a nice turn. And <laughs> the guys are like, ah, oh, my God, this is not the role that I've been assigned. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself. But. No, no, no. But this is it. I mean, like, you know, you you painted it so well, like like how you can have like the concept of virginity and the pressures around that and how that is just like literally a water slide to sex pressuring. Mm. Uh, because, you know, like you said, I guess the whole point of like why you have that gendered role is because teenagers um, in the film are so worried about having sex because then they're just going to be slut shamed. Yeah. And so it's like that that thing of like, you have to pretend that you're not interested because there's like such a cost if you like express desire or if you are like sexually confident or even just like god forbid say that you might be interested in having sex in the first place yes and it's like even if you're not interested in having sex you can't win because there's this scene early on where two people are fighting in like the school cafeteria and it's a girl who is a virgin but some guy at school has told everyone that she's had sex with him so she's being slut shamed even though she's adhering to her gender roles anyway and if you don't want to have sex you're just being constantly pressured by the boys as well. So it's not like adhering to the gender roles offers any protection at all, right? And I think it's just really illustrated in that scene where Brittany Murphy is then talking with her pal um, and they're talking about her ex, Kenny, who's now dating Sharon, who's like the main slut-shamed girl in the movie. And Brittany is like, oh, do you think she goes all the way with this like pining where you can just like feel the pressure that she's under to like be ready to have sex so she can keep her lover. And then her friend in solidarity is like, doubt it, who'd fuck her? Which just shows you the way in which like women cannibalize on each other and engage in slut shaming and gender policing in the hope like it sets them apart and alleviates them from the pressure, Um, which it obviously doesn't. Oh my God, 100%. And also the slut shaming in this film is from everyone it's sort of like it's all throughout the film completely pervasive it's like from the boys but it's also like hugely from the girls as well like towards their friends you know it's that real thing of like everyone being so scared that they're going to be the one targeted that they're the ones kind of targeting everyone else um yeah and also that thing of like oh it's totally fine to 
kind of be comparing yourself against someone else but it's fine because you've won like you're hotter or like you're more fuckable or like whatever it might be and that like that's the thing that's to kind of like soothe her yeah <laughs> or it's gonna it just, make like, it better okay w- one yes. one thing okay I'm really Please. fascinated on your no, take you on this right so we're, we're talking about sex shame and there is this like there's this like back and forth between a girl in the class who's kind of being slut shamed and then like one of the kind of popular lads um and he's he's sort of saying like oh so what's your concept of cool bang the entire senior class starting with a Mm -hmm. and then she responds by being like well if I'm so used up then why do you try to hook up with me non-stop and he's like I find experience attractive Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's this like really funny thing where it's like you know she's being shamed for like having sex with people being in charge of her sexuality just like loving it and he's then like trying to shame her making her feel like used up all of this when actually the reality is he just finds it incredibly attractive and she knows it (laughs) there's so many men that will be really attracted to like women with experience or like fat women or or people that don't fit into like the gender binary or whatever and then as soon as they're around their like male friends feel this the pressure of the gender policing to then be like oh my partner needs to lose weight or oh i need to make some sort of slut shaming comment or or i need to insert fucking gender policing behavior here and it's so this is me performing my gender i meant to tell you that you're um a dirty <laughs> slut and then when she's like why are you sliding into my dms he's like because i find you so attractive it's <laughs> ah. so hard it's so hard which to be honest as someone who in high school was very much slut shamed the person who slut shamed me the most did try to pash me when I uh, on our very last New Year's Eve I fucking hated his guts he's like I thought this was like a push and pull thing the whole time and I was like no you were horrible (laughs) I fucking hate you but I did I really related to that scene to be honest yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) one of the best things about this film is that it takes all of the traditional tropes around virginity and purity. I think it does a really good job of showing how virginity is something that's really socialized as a pressure for women in the sense of like, like how how we're told that we need to be chaste or we need to be pure. And then there's some young women that are actually don't, they're not interested in that. And how much like actually being not interested in sex there's a lot of young people that are not interested in sex for ages and young people should be allowed to not be interested in sex or or any people should be allowed to be not interested in sex but also that the idea of being chaste and virginal and saving yourself a lot of that is performative as well if you know what I mean like there's a lot Mm. of young women that want to be sexual but feel like they should be pure yeah that's so true it's like the the kind of I mean what an amazingly high bar of like social shame that the only thing that's going to make you kind of flip that narrative in your head is literally someone's about to murder you 
<laughs> I know. And it's like, obviously, if someone's killing virgins, we can't deny that that is sex pressure because there's maybe some young, there's some young people that don't want to have sex and they have now have to because someone's killing you if you don't. But it is so interesting how consensual a lot of the interactions are at the sex party, which just shows you when you take away the gender policing and you take away the um, stuff around virginity and purity and whatever that they're really able to negotiate what they want really quite well do you know what I mean like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not like there's a whole lot of girls that are like oh no we have to have sex and we really don't want to it's like what happens is they're like here's a reason to remove the sexual shame do you want to have sex and they're all like so what what contraception should we use? Like, how can we get an orgasm? Like, they're all, it's just so like totally. I think that scene that's like, like is it Sharon? The kind of this yeah. is like the yeah, main that. character who's been like slut shamed for like the whole film, um, and then she kind of like leaves this incredible education session to like all of the girls at the high school, um. And yeah, it's just like incredible questions around how do we get an orgasm and what do we do? And she's just like leading the pack. It's yes. incredible. And I would say <laughs> that scene is the scene that starts act two, better to have a teen fuck fest than a bunch of dead teens. Because it's like this, it's this beautiful scene where it's our uh, previously slut-shamed anti-hero who's up there and that's all these young women sitting down and they're like asking questions and she's answering them. And it's this really like supportive, good vibe of, you know, how do we stop pregnancy? How do we stop STDs or whatever? And there's a part, God, there's so many good lines. Um, she, she says, girls, there's no time for the pill and we can't trust withdrawal. So I recommend condoms. And I'm like, what good advice. <laughs> Girls are quick enough. We absolutely cannot trust withdrawal for so many reasons. So condoms are the way. And they're all like, yep, 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 yep. And they're so fucking into it. <laughs> and I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit about that in the reconstruction. But at the end, you know, even one of the girls is like, there's a realism here. Like, we know that <laughs> all the boys in our school are just sexist nerds and don't really know what they're talking about and they're idiots and I think that there's a there's this vibe of like we know we can see through that bullshit um and this is how you can kind of I guess like navigate that now yeah and then she's like oh aren't you just being a little bit hard on the boys and everyone's like no no. (laughs) (laughs) I know there's like there's so many scenes and it's interesting right because And this is what the film does so good. So all of the subsequent scenes after this meeting of the young women where they're like, let's take our power back and let's be like, let's have our sexual agency back. Um, And then they kind of go forth into their relationships and all of the men are fucking shit scared. Like there's a scene where Brittany Murphy is like finally fucking pumped to have sex with Kenny and she's into some weird foot shit no shame you know we all have our weird things and she's there being like Kenny do you want to suck my toes (laughs) and he's like (laughs) kind of into it and then all of a sudden he's like whoa your your sexual energy is too much for me I can't handle it 
And then the audience sees that actually Kenny is the one who's not ready for sex and doesn't know how he feels about things, which is also like great for flipping the gender roles because obviously, you know, boys are expected to be into sex and wanting it all the time, which can absolutely create pressure for boys to think that they need to be more into sex than they actually are, right? Um, but yeah, it's just so interesting that like as soon as Brittany Murphy has any power back or any control or any sexual agency, he's like, ah, I don't know, I don't know about this. This feels too equal, consensual. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, if he's not into so- toe sucking, that's also fine. You know, we don't. No one oh. should be forced to do anything that they don't want to do. But it is an interesting fucking dynamic that you can be pressuring someone to have sex on one hand and then as soon as someone's like, okay, I'm up for it, you're like, ah, you're too into this. And that speaks volumes. Yeah, maybe it's like people are more confident with the kind of gender policing or like the gender roles of chasing and being chased than actually like the the messy reality of just negotiating what makes you feel good? What is pleasure? Like, do you want to be a bit vulnerable about the things that you might not want to say? Um, I think that's yeah. 100% it. I think like, I think that we see so many movies and hear so many songs and we are so well versed in the chase and how the performative like lead up to things is that when we get to actually having sex there's no guidance around that that it's just a fucking hot mess instead of learning like how to talk about what you want and what makes you comfortable and what you need and what your boundaries are and stuff that actually makes us feel like connected and in a good place to have sex we learn like pick up lines for hot chicks and what time length should you wait until you text someone back and like weird stuff around the chase that's so performative that it's like whoa (laughs) and what's so interesting is that like obviously it's like hyper 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 focused in this film and it's very hyper focused on the idea of like having sex for the first time but actually I feel like this culture you're like it kind of highlights like how pervasive it is in all kind of relationships, you know, that idea of like meeting someone and yeah, someone having to be in the role of, I don't know, being shy or yeah, yeah, the chaser and the, you know, like, and that how obviously it's like so filtered into consent yeah because this is my hot take is that it like creates this idea that that in in of itself is a hot dynamic and I feel like we just get that all the time this idea of like oh well there's like this hot dynamic which is like mystery and not being sure where it's going to go and like someone having a bit more power and sort of using that to chase someone and like I guess maybe, I mean, like in this film, obviously it's just like so clearly unconsensual, but I feel like everyday examples, it can just, it can be there without necessarily always picking it up. Yeah. And I think like, Um, it's not like these dynamics can't be consensual because it's like role play is, role play and power is a big part of sex and that's also fine. But I feel like there's a, there's a difference between playing a role because it's kind of you both know it's like a sexy vibe and whatever compared to doing something that you think you should because it's what you're meant to do to get a partner like playing these roles should be something that it would be so easy to snap out of and be like actually do you know what this is dumb let's just like 
sit on the couch and I don't know, watch Law and Order. No one watches Law and Order anymore. <laughs> I have no, I've got no relevant <laughs> references. But like, do you know what I mean? Or like, let's just have regular me, sex. Me, boomer <laughs> alert. We're not done with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's okay to have a bit of that chase or like withholding or whatever, like power dynamics, as long as it's something that, as soon as it's not your vibe, you could be like, do you know what? Let's let's cut the games. Let's let's just have sex or whatever, and it's really equal. Whereas, like, there's a difference if it is what you feel like needs to happen because you're a man or because you're a woman, because that's how dating works or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's when it's, when it's a rule and you, and you don't have agency over it. Mm. Um, and also that you're taking that power away from someone else. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. And I guess that's why act one. So is like mm. annihilated by that scene in act two, where they're sort of taking the power back and talking about how they're going to just have the best time at this teenage fuck fest <laughs> and then to be honest the the teenage sex party i i thought it was quite consensual like so there's so many scenes they're all dancing on the d floor right and they're like saying i'll have sex with you if we do this or i'll have sex with you if we do this like they are negotiating what i would say is the this thing that made me sad is the guys are up for sex and the thing that the the girls kind of get to negotiate with is like material goods, which I feel like is a shit trope because heaven forbid we could just have women say, I'd like, I'm up for it as long as you go down on me. So like, do you know what I mean? Like instead of it being an actual exchange of what they want, heaven forbid we see a fucking woman <laughs> explicitly say what they want but instead it's like i'll have sex with you if i can have your cds and your snowboards the negotiation skills are good the scenes are good like they're consensual they're negotiating i, I actually thought you were going to say that the, the main sadness of the whole scene is that it takes place in a place that's literally called the old donkey hill hunting lodge <laughs> <laughs> to be fair though sarah didn't we all used to have sex in horrible places as teenagers? Doesn't that feel right that we were like when, having sex on like playgrounds, in cars, in like your a random house party's random spare room? Like it only fits that it would be somewhere ghastly. <laughs> and then they're just like, yeah, all we need is the floor. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> But also, like, maybe there's something about, I mean, like, obviously, aside from the completely unconsensual thing of, like, everyone's doing it because they're going to be murdered. There's something that's quite funny about that, where it's, like, the stakes are just suddenly, like, obviously, they're so high, but they're also now so low because it's, like, the only real thing that they want to get out of it is just to, like, not be killed. Yeah. And so suddenly there's something about, like, don't know, just, like, take the pressure off. Like, it doesn't have to be this, like, really... It doesn't have to be the special um, moment that you're told that you need to save yourself for or whatever. It's exactly. just sex. It's just sex. <laughs> right. I feel like it's well, well, well overdue for the reconstruction. It is time. It's Sarah's time to show. <laughs> okay. Buckle up, boys. I'm buckled. 
Okay, so here's here's my hot take okay. with the reconstruction. Yeah, I'm ready. And I know that this undermines literally the entire premise of the film, but I think that's kind of what we've been doing like I'm with most sure of these that, horror films. I'm pretty sure that's our vibe. I think that's the podcast <laughs> plan. So instead of Cherry Falls, I'm gonna I'm gonna rename this horror film as Cherry Stays, Cherry Morphs, Cherries are Cherries. Um, <laughs> or like re- man- mango <laughs> falls cherries don't exist <laughs> yeah yeah you're like mango falls cherries are a vibe <laughs> cherries don't um, really exist they can't be pop this is the horror film reconstructed without the concept of virginity i just want to bust a myth here because there is a point in the film where you have the detective talking to what i think is like a forensic examiner or like you know one of those people that comes in and sees a dead body and goes you know this is how the person died and I'm gonna quote here so he says she was a virgin at the time of death the hymen was intact of course with the boy I can't tell you if he died a virgin but I can tell you he didn't have sex at the time of the killings now this sort of like comes across as fact in in the the whole film like the whole premise is based off the fact that they've worked out scientifically that this teenager has been killed because she's a virgin but as we all know there are so many myths around the hymen and there are so many ways in which it can be it can be stretched it can it can be changed from like riding a bike or doing sports or even using a tampon um some people are born with hymens that look really different um so some of them are naturally open and they won't you know for some people if they have sex for the first time they might have some kind of bleeding but actually that isn't common for everybody if you're if you're a try if you're a young person who likes to climb trees and do cartwheels or whatever like it's it yeah it can so be done it can be really thick it can be really thin it's so dependent virginity as a biological concept like doesn't really exist like the hymen is not an indication as to whether or not you've had sex a hymen is just a little bit of extra membrane that exists when you're a child and then when you get older and you start being more active it gets thinner and it breaks it's not it's not a big deal thank you so in the film I think just like taking away the concept of of yeah what does it mean to be a virgin also that idea of like it's so sort of like specifically about like penetrative sex which a lot of teenagers might not do so I think we need to take away the fundamental premise of the film. (laughs) Laura Lee Sherman is actually a queer ally and sees all sex (laughs) <laughs> all sex is real sex and actually if you've done anything sexual she will not come for you exactly yeah. there we go there we go there's uh, I'm like, if you're gonna murder murder correctly <laughs> so that's that's my hot take number one and then my second take is Yes, I totally agree. We've already chatted about how incredible the kind of empowered pre-orgy chat between all of the teenage girls is. But I think, I guess my hope would be that that's like basic level 101. I wonder if there could be like a level two step up where like 
the Sharons of the world, the slut-shamed teenagers of the world just got a little bit more time, a little bit more resources and preparation. And and also maybe just like a little bit more hope that it could be better. So just for, they've prepped everyone for the basics. So it's like, let's use condoms, no time for the pill, withdrawal's not great. Excellent advice. Um, maybe there's like a bit of like, hey, here's, this, here are all the things that can like bring you that can make you feel really good and like here's how you can talk about it um and then when we actually cut to the orgy that maybe it's like not just talking about uh <laughs> I'm gonna have sex with you for your snowboard <laughs> I guess it's like what we're talking about before like you know yeah it's hey, more like I'm really I'm I'll have sex with you, but I want at least 20 minutes of you eating me out first so I can get <laughs> like ready for this or whatever. Exactly. And like, if I'm going to die, let's make it good. <laughs> what do you think it would be? How would it go for the boys? Do you think? Well, I mean, the boys are really, they're really clueless. I mean, like there is one line where one of the boys is like, oh, Dennis asked me today whether chicks have two holes or three. And they're kind of like laughing, but in that way where they're just like, ha, 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 what? No, and you don't know if any of them actually know if girls are two holes or three. So I think I think maybe Sharon could come in and do do another session with the boys as well. And maybe, again, it's like the hope thing of like that yeah, they they can they can learn because they, they're clearly in the dark and don't really understand what's going on either. Also about maybe the, the, the women get together and they get to have a bit more privacy around that chat, but maybe there's something about having a chat together because I think one of the fundamental problems around previous sex ed is segregating and really important chats that both parties needed to hear is necessary. Mm-hmm. Like maybe point oh two is that Sharon's there like, right, we're all going to have sex at the sex party. We're going to use condoms because we're here to be safe. But do you know what? Not going to lie, as somebody with some experience, the boys have not been pulling their weight. So let's have an open discussion about what are the things that uh, like fit women and, and like AFAB bodies need to orgasm so you know, so you don't feel like you're stabbing in the dark, literally. <laughs> and you tell us the kind of things that you're into. Let's have an open discussion in kind of like a forum way where it doesn't feel super intense. And then when they get to the party, it feels a lot more easy because they can be Yeah. Like, and all the and all the boys are going, Zenobalax, I want to be Zenobalax. Call <laughs> <laughs> me Zenobalax, baby. I will, I promise to God that I will engage in 10 minutes of clitoral stimulation. If you make sure you say Snowblax when you're getting close to August. <laughs> I want you to suck my toe. <laughs> All right. And then they can have a card of like everybody that's interested in toe sucking, go to that corner of the room. So you can find you kind of the same people. And Kenny will be like, no, I'll go to the other side of the room. <laughs> I like your reconstruction. It makes sense to me. It's kind of similar to our last episode, which is just like, God damn it. Let's get some fucking good sex ed to these kids because it'll save a lot of entities and a lot of killers coming after these young people. (laughs) We're saving lives here, everybody. We're saving lives. Like how many (laughs) entities and curses and murderers. Does it take for you to realize your young people need to be spoken to about sex and relationships? 
Thanks for listening, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Wait, before we go, I want to ask one very important question. As this is thus far the most quotable movie with the best lines, what is your favorite line or lines from the film? I mean, for me, number one, it just has to be that speech. I think we have to just like get an edit of that speech and put it in here. Because sp- which speech are you talking about? The speech right at the very beginning. If you haven't watched the film, just watch oh, the, the beginning Zubra. of our sex scene. Yeah. Zanubalax. It's yeah. so good. On my planet, the women are barren. I've traveled secretly across the depths of space, assuming human form. So that I may come to know earthly women and repopulate my desolate planet. Wish for you to know my true name, Zunabulax. Zunabulax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is hard to go past. And it's just there's something just so funny about it, like starting, and he's like, "In my planet, the women are barren." <laughs> <laughs> like the kind of kind of creepiest sci-fi idea is just that like women can't reproduce yeah <laughs> i needed to come here to fuck but and, which is interesting because <laughs> it's still heavy on the reproductive vibes but it's almost like how can we make reproduction more sexy because fuck me we've been trying to do that for a really long time <laughs> <laughs> i love that i feel like it's so inappropriate and grotesque and such a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. It's been a wild ride. Um, next month, oh, we are very excited about this one. We have been umming and ahhing uh, for a while because we really want to do a classic. And we will. Um, but next month we've gone for more of a cult classic, if you will. Um, and we will be doing Jennifer's Body. It's such a good horror film. Also, I will say for anyone out there who's listening who doesn't like really scary horror but loves a thrill, this is the horror film for you. Yes, and it's like kind of funny. Like it's very millennial humour, but it's it's fun. It's a fun horror movie. It's like... Queer, it's sexy. It's silly. It's, it's a cot. Yeah. It's a queer horror romp. It's got the goods, for sure. Okay, so you've got a month to listen to that. And in the meantime, you also have a month to name me. So obviously we've got the Australian sex wizard, Geordie. But Howdy. if anyone wants to give me... <laughs> How'd you do? Um, you can send in any suggestions to our email address, the sexist podcast at gmail.com or you can message us on our instagram at the sexist underscore podcast you can also get in touch with us to say how you're enjoying the podcast if you want to hear any particular horror films you know we're really uh we're choosing as we're going at the moment so let us know if you've got anything that you know obviously you think would be really good for us to deconstruct and reconstruct occasionally we get listener recommendations and they are so much better like they're so good so we are we are here for it we want your recommendations and we also want general lols feedback whatever we're here for it interact 
the Pedros of this world, stand up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So get watching Jennifer's Body for next month, though probably you already have. And that's all from us. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Ha <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>